This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Worship with West Concord. So glad that you could join us today. We're going to continue our series entitled Inside Out as we discover discipleship as God intended. And we're going to look this morning as we examine this issue at the anatomy of a discipling church. Last week, we talked about how a church grows and uh, we do grow from the inside out because frankly, we are the church, the believers that congregate, that gather. We are the church. And we're going to look in Ephesians chapter four this morning and we're gonna see some more about the growth of the church. We're gonna look at the anatomy of a discipling church. Now let's define that term discipling. What does it mean to be a disciple or to disciple someone? In the book, uh, The Trellis and the Vine, we have a wonderful definition and I recommend that book for anybody, if you're another church or anybody who's interested in discipleship, to get The Trellis and the Vine by Marshall and Payne. But they have this wonderful definition here. It says, to be a disciple is to be called to make new disciples. Sounds simple. Of course, Christians will receive and exercise different gifts and, and different ministries, but it all goes back to becoming and making a disciple. But because all are disciples of Christ, standing in relation to Him as teacher and pupil, master and follower, all become disciple makers. So if we're going to be a disciple, then that involves being a disciple maker. And if you're going to be a disciple maker... As we said last week, you need to be a disciple. So it goes hand in hand. And that's the whole mission of the church to go out and bring people to Christ, but not just bring them and leave them, bring them and bring, and, and bring them along in the faith to disciple them. And so as we get into this morning, we're going to look at what a biblical church looks like, at least a little peek today, as we look at the anatomy of a discipling church. And I came across this quote. It's a, it's a wonderful quote by uh, Dan Bernard. And he's speaking of uh, what a church should look like and what a church oftentimes really does look like. And it took me back to my childhood and back to my kids when they were little, when we would go to the fair or go to a carnival. And more often than not, you saw these frames with these faces missing and they had funny bodies on them and you would put your face in them and get your picture taken. This is what he says. He says, remember putting your face above a headless frame painted to represent a muscle man, a clown, or even a bathing beauty. Many of us have had our pictures taken this way. And uh, it goes on to say, and the photos, photos rather are humorous because the head doesn't fit the body. You know, that's the idea. It's supposed to look silly. It's supposed to look funny. If we could picture Christ as the head of our local body of believers, would the world laugh at the misfit? Would the world laugh and see that it doesn't fit together? It's a misfit. Or would they stand in awe of a human body so closely related to its divine head? In other words, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. The church is the body of Christ. And, and are we a misfit? Do we look somehow malformed? Are we living and, and performing 
in conjunction and obedience with our head, who is Jesus Christ. In other words, does the body fit the head? And that's the whole understanding of this, of this quote. And that's what we're looking to, to see as we examine this scripture. Are we being the kind of church that Jesus wants us to be? And, and when people see us, do they see the body of Christ? Can they say, well, that is his church. He is their head. Or oftentimes do we provide a bad picture, negative picture? You know, more often than not lately, the church doesn't look like its founder, its head, its Lord. So as we get into this this morning, we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 4. So turn your Bibles there. And as we travel there this morning, we'll bow together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in your church and being your church through the blood of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and his resurrection. Father, your church, the called out assembly of faithful followers, exists to bring you honor and glory through serving and, and, and doing the things that your son has asked us to do, to be on mission for him, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to see people get saved, and then to see those saved people draw closer to him through dis discipleship and to become disciples. And so, Lord, help us to be that kind of disciple. Help us to, to sit at his feet and to learn from your son. And then, Lord, help us to reach out one-on-one -on -one or in small groups to bring others to a closer and better relationship with him. Lord, as we examine your word, bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we go to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 11. And then the first few chapters of this passage, Jesus is sort of giving the understanding of what the church was to be as Christ is is represented as leaving the earth after he was uh, crucified, buried, and risen again. Forty days later, Jesus ascends into heaven, and as he ascends, he leaves the Spirit of God, he leaves his Holy Spirit, and along with that, he leaves spiritual gifts and spiritual giftedness. And we know that from Ephesians chapter 1, all the way in the first passage, uh, first chapter, we see in verse 13 that he does seal his church and his people, the believers, you and I, with his spirit. And in so doing, he also provides spiritual gifts. These gifts are spiritual abilities to serve in unique and various places within and as his church. And so he's going to talk about what the church should look like and what, what God wants the church to be. And we're going to see three aspects of the anatomy of a discipling church. We're going to look at the, the, the people of this church because we are the church. You know, the word church, ecclesia, which means called out assembly. We are the church. The church is not a building. The church is not an organization. The church is an organism made up of believers in Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at the people that, uh, that make up the church in three different ways. And first, we're going to see that we who are in the church are a gifted people. We are a gifted people. Look what he says in verse 11 after he's established who and what the church is and how it is gifted. Then he says in verse 11, he says, and he, Christ himself, gave some to be apostles. An apostle was somebody sent with a commission. Some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor teachers, pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So he's talking about the church being filled with gifted people. And more so than that, the nature of this giftedness here in this particular passage is interesting. Because if you go to Romans chapter 12, 
It gives a list of different spiritual gifts or God-given abilities for service. The same can be said for 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as Paul even further delineates several different types of spiritual gifts given for his service in order to help the church to, to serve properly. But literally in this place, when he talks about the gifts here in Ephesians 4.11, he's actually speaking of the people as being gifts from him. The people, the different leaders, the different workers within a church. He not only speaks of the gifts given, but these gifted people. He says he gave himself some to be apostles. And there were only 12 apostles that have ever, have ever existed uh, in the church. And these apostles, the word apostle means sent with a commission. And according to Acts chapter 1, there were some, some standards by which you judge an apostle because they had to A, uh, they had to have seen Jesus Christ. They had to serve with him and, or at least observed him in his ministry. And they also had to be commissioned from his lips to their ears. So when the apostle John died out at the turn of the first and second centuries, we no longer have apostles living today. But he had given the apostles to the early church as well as prophets now, a prophet was somebody who foretold the message of God. We think of somebody who prophesies as somebody who foretells the future, and that was part of it at that time. But a prophet then was somebody who told forth the, the word of God, rather, who, who shared the word of God as God gave his word to them. Uh, evangelists, these are people who take the ministry of the gospel. They go out and share the good news. And while all of us are responsible to do that, some are specifically gifted in that range. And then he talks about pastors and teachers. And by the way, those words refer to the same office, pastor teachers that could be translated. So he's talking about gifted people, not just spiritual gifts, but gifted people. And he's given the church these gifted people to serve him and to help promote the great commission of going out, sharing the gospel and making disciples. So that is the nature of these gifts. What about the reason for these gifts or reason for the giftedness? He says in verse 12, this is the reason for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. You know, we think of our hired vocational ministers and those people who went to Bible college and seminary as being the ministers in the church. But the reality is our job as leaders and ministers is to help you do the work of the ministry. It's not just my job to go out and lead people to Christ. It's not just Aaron's job to teach the students. It's not just Richard's job to go out and, and, and work within the uh, structure of ministry. Our job as ministers, our job as pastors and teachers, prophets and evangelists, our job is to equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. In other words, you're not to sit back in your pew with your arms folded and just soak up the, uh, the spirituality. Your job as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a member of his universal church through faith in him, and yes, as a member of the local church here at West Concord or wherever church you go, your job is to do the work of the ministry. Your job is to literally go out and be the evangelist, be the ones who take the good news, and also to disciple those new believers. In other words, to bring them under the teaching and admonition of Jesus Christ. Our job is to simply facilitate that. Our job 
is to help you do that. You know, I have people come and say, Pastor, I need you to go talk to my friend. They don't know Jesus Christ. And listen, I'd be happy to do that. But why don't you go talk to your friend? Oh, I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to seminary. It doesn't matter. You know what Jesus did for you. And you need to go and share that with them. You also need to get with your brothers or sisters in Christ as is appropriate and spend time together reading the word together. We're going to talk about that in later messages as we get into this study. But we're going to, we're going to get excited about working the ministry of the church among our folks. You are also the ministers of this church. And our job is to equip you, according to verse 12, for the work of the ministry. It's not my job to do the work of the ministry per se. It's not Richard's, Aaron's, or Mike Brooks. It's not our job to do that. It's your job to do that. And he goes on, The reason, another reason is for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. That building up takes on two aspects. Not only are we to build the church through people coming to know Jesus as Savior, uh, some church experts call this conversion growth. We should be, of course, doing that. That's the main reason we're here, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But also building up spiritually our brothers and sisters in Christ, individually going to one another and, and praying for one another and spending time together with one another with the Word of God. You know, I, I praise the Lord that when I first got saved back when I was a teenager, there were buddies at school who were Christians who, who brought me into their circle and, and they began to disciple me. They began to help me. Uh, they would invite me to church. They would do things with me. They would include me in things that they were doing. Uh, they may or may not have known it because they were my age, same age, we're 16, 17, but they were discipling me. And literally we would meet together once a week in our church, or excuse me, our school cafeteria and talk about people that we wanted to, to bring the gospel to, to share Christ with. And invariably, we would talk to about four, five, six people a week. And uh, it was encouraging. We would also go out and enjoy stuff together, but we would go to church together and we would pray together. It was amazing. And so our job is, yes, to build the church body by bringing people to Christ, but also to build up the church body through spiritual discipline and discipleship. Ultimately, Jesus said he would build the church. So all of this comes when we yield to him as gifted people. We are people that he has gifted, not only with spiritual gifts, but he has provided gifted leaders to come in and to train the church for the work of the ministry. So as we unpack the anatomy of the church, we see a gifted people. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to talk about the church needs to be full of grounded people. And I want you to notice as we continue in chapter 4, look at verse 13. He says this, We need to do the work of the ministry till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So we're to be grounded people. Grounded how? First of all, we're to be unified in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, churches split, churches fuss, churches argue, and that's heartbreaking. And the reason why is they are not grounded and unified in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They have their own ideas, they have their own goals, they have their own philosophies. And so therefore you have them going off in many directions. But he says, we as the church, if we're going to be an effective discipling church the way God intended, if we're going to grow from the inside out, then we need to be a grounded people, unified in the knowledge of Christ. Not only that, but we need to grow mature in the fullness of Christ. Look what he goes on to say in verse 11. 
he says that we're to grow in the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. That word perfect literally means complete or mature. It's the Greek word teleos. And it literally means to be mature, complete, to reach an end. And, and as we mature in our walk with Christ, we're unified in his knowledge. And as we do that, mature, uh, maturity comes about. We are to do that to a mature man. When he speaks of that, a body, the body of Christ to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. And so we're to also be grounded as we mature in the fullness of Christ. We're to grow deeper in Him, in our knowledge of Him. And as we do that, we grow into a more perfected body. And as the world sees us, a more perfected man in Jesus Christ as it looks at the church. And that's what happens. You know, as we who have kids or some of you have grandkids or nieces or nephews, you enjoy watching them grow up to mature, to grow uh, until they're full grown and doing whatever uh, they have chosen and God have, has chosen for them to do. That's the whole idea of the church. We're not to sit and be stagnant. We're to be growing. And as we do that, we grow in the fullness of our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say that we're to be also confident. Look at verse 14. He says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunningness and craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. We are to be confident in the truth of Jesus Christ. So as we unify ourselves together in the church, as we mature and become full in Christ, then we become more confident in the truth that we are sharing of Christ. We're becoming more confident in Christ and we're more confident and therefore we're able to share that truth. But that comes as we're grounded in the Word of God. We must be grounded in the faith. That's why I preach the Word of God. You know, I'm amazed at people who come and, and when they visit the church, they say, Pastor, this is great. I'm, I'm thinking, what are you talking about? And they say, you preach the Word of God. And my thing is, man, what else would I do? My opinion's no better than yours or anybody else's. Uh, anybody who quotes for a sermon or, or chooses to preach their own ideas and thoughts, uh, that's just a motivational speaker. Anybody can be a motivational speaker. We are to preach the Word of God. We're to be confident in the Word of God. So we're to be, we're to be a gifted people and we're to enjoy the gifted people because they're helping us to do the ministry and build the body of Christ. And that comes as we are grounded, as a grounded people in the Word of God, unified in the knowledge of Christ, mature in the fullness of Christ, and confident in the truth of Christ. And then that brings us to the last aspect of this anatomy of a discipling church. We're to be a growing people. See, because, listen, if you're going to have those spiritual gifts and giftedness, and if you're going to be grounded, then the byproduct of that is growth. And we talked about that growth last week. Again, it comes from the inside out. As we develop our need for God, we receive the grace of God, then we become the truth tellers for God. And so we become a growing people. Look what he goes on to say as we, as we continue down in verse 15 of Ephesians 4. He says, but speaking the truth in love, pick that up from the last point, that we may grow up into all things unto him who is the head, which is Christ. Jesus Christ, we said the church throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament anyway, is, is represented by the metaphor of a body. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to 
quote from 1 Corinthians a little bit later on, but 1 Corinthians 12 really lays that aspect out. We are the body of Christ. We are His hands. We are His feet. We are His mouthpiece. But He is the head. And so as we think about growing and as a growing people, we are to be obedient to and, uh, and, and listen to the orders coming from the head, which is Christ. And Jesus Christ is the head of the growing body of Christ. And so until we recognize as Him, recognize Him rather as our head, uh, we won't be growing as well as we should. You know, the pastor, I'm not the head of our church. The deacon body, they are not the heads of our church. If your church has elders, they're the leaders, but they're not the head of the church. Jesus Christ alone is the head of the church, the head of the body. So as we continue on, a growing people also speaks of the health of the growing body of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse 16, from whom the head of the body, the whole body, now look at this, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. In other words, as the body of Christ, we have a diverse group of people who have been gifted and are talented in different ways and bring something wonderful to the body. In other words, all of us have been given spiritual gifts and giftedness, and some of us are the hands of the church. We do the physical work of the church. There are other people who are the feet of the church. They go out and share the gospel and go out and bring people to Jesus. There are some who are the ears of the church. They're the mouths of the church. Just like every part of your body provides a service to the whole body, so also when he talks about we're joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, in other words, the whole body, your body works together. You know, can you imagine if you had broken your right hand and you were right-handed? You'd be struggling. I remember in a car accident many years ago, I broke my right hand. I'm right-handed. I write with my right hand and I do everything. I eat with my right hand and they put a big old cast on me. I couldn't button my button. I couldn't tie a necktie. I couldn't sign my name or write. It was just a pain in the neck. Uh, not too long after that, my wife broke her foot. Matter of fact, she broke her foot three times in a year and a half. Uh, it was difficult for her to get around on that one foot. She either had to wear a cast or she had to wear a boot or she had to get on one of those knee walkers and buzz around. Didn't slow her up too much, but it slower, slowed, her up, slowed her up rather enough to be a pain in, in the neck. And what about a pain in the neck? Have you ever had one of those? I mean, you might not think much about it, but I know people who have issues with their neck. They have a hard time turning. It hurts their entire body. What I'm saying is when a portion of your body is not working or in pain or struggling, the whole body suffers because of that. And so as we grow, as we are a growing people, the health of the body is important. We need to keep our, our body as the church just as we need to keep our body physically healthy, we need to keep our body as a church spiritually healthy. And that comes through discipleship and, and helping each other grow in Christ. So the head of the body is Christ. The health of the body is every part of the body, every joint doing what God has called it to do. And then we finally come to the heart of the growing body of Christ. Again, he says, by which, verse uh, 16, by which every part does its share, it causes the growth of the body 
for the edifying of itself in love. You know, when we're unified in the truth of Christ, when we're all working together for the health of the body, then, then we all share in that same love of Jesus Christ. We not only enjoy the love of Christ as we grow in Him, but we're able to share the love of Christ with one another. And that's what discipleship is all about. Loving each other enough to bring each other along. If we see somebody stumble in the church, pick them up. If we see somebody hurting, go alongside of them. If somebody is celebrating, then celebrate with them. So we, we experience the love of God from the head, who is Jesus. We uh, experience love when we, ex when we work on the health of the body, but also we can share the love of Christ as the body of Christ to the world at large as we seek to bring people to Christ. So as we look at the anatomy of a discipling church, it's made up of, of people. It's made up of a gifted people, people who have been gifted by God and people who are gifts to us, namely leaders and servants who come in the church so that we might grow the body, so that the church is equipped and enabled to, to help work in the building of the body. And that is our job as gifted people. But we also need to be a grounding people. We need to be grounded in the Word of God. That's what keeps us together. We're unified and we become unified in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but we grow in Him as we mature into the fullness of Christ. We're to be Christ-like. And then that helps us to be confident in the truth in Christ. Not only does that bring us spiritual confidence as we walk with Him, but also as we share the gospel outside these walls, we are confident as well. And we're to be a growing people, growing spiritually. We are to be growing because we're a body. Just as I enjoyed watching my children grow up, and if something was wrong, if something wasn't growing right, that was a pathology. We had to go get checked by the doctor. And uh, the head of our body is Jesus. We take our orders from Him. We take our direction from Him. Where the head says go, we go. What the head says do, we do. And we need to take care of the health of the body. That's where that discipleship comes in strongest. We work with one another. We support with one another. We bring one another along because the heart of the body of Christ is the love of Jesus. That's what motivates us. That's what keeps us beating. That's what keeps us going. So I'd like to leave you a passage here today as we finish up. Again, I told you we'd be quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And here Paul talks about the body of Christ. And let me encourage you. Uh, on your own, get your Bible out and read through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because he does a wonderful job in laying out what it means to be the healthy body of Jesus Christ. But as he's doing it, he says in verses 25 and 26, he says, there should be no schism in the body. Can you imagine your own body if there was a schism or division in your own body? Imagine if your right hand and your left hand didn't get along. Can you imagine that? I mean, I know that sounds silly, but that's kind of what he's talking about. It is silly. Or could you imagine if your body wanted to go down the hallway and your left foot didn't want to go and your left foot was just saying, look, you do your thing and I'm going to do my thing. Can you imagine dragging lefty along as you tried to get around in your day? Or how about if your right eye decided not to work that day? Or what about your left ear or maybe your mouth? We, need, we don't need schism in the body. We need to be all on board, all working together. There should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care. Look at this, for one another. We should have the same care for one another. 
This is where discipleship comes in. This is where we come alongside each other. We can't do this stuck on our own personal individual island. We can't do this hiding behind our devices. Yes, I know COVID has taken us there to a great extent, but COVID is lifting. We're coming out of that shell. And, and West Concord is gathering. We're meeting. We're having our Sunday school children's ministry. We're having our 1030 worship service. You need to be here. Say, oh, but pastor, we have to wear a mask. Big deal. Wear it and get here. He says, and if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. He goes on to say, and, and, and let me stop there. And that's true. If your hand is hurting, your whole body is struggling. If your foot is hurting, same thing. He said, and if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. In other words, we are a body. We're not a collection of individuals. We're a unified body. What unifies us? Our politics? No. Uh, our ethnic backgrounds? No. Our gender? No. What unifies us in spite of those things is Jesus Christ. He is the head of the body. Our love for him is the heart of the body. And the health of the body is us coming together, working together, loving one another. So that is the anatomy of a, of a disciple-making church. That is the anatomy, a gifted people, gifted to do God's service. How tragic is it for some people to sit in their pew, hands folded, sucking up the joy and not utilizing the gifts that God has given them for service? We need you on board. So we're gifted people. We need to be a grounded people. We need to be grounded in the word of God, unified in our knowledge of Christ, maturing to the fullness of Christ. And also we need to be just excited about the love of Christ. And that calls us to that health that we need to, to experience. We need to be a healthy body. Jesus is our head, our body working together and enjoying the love of Christ and spreading the love of Christ. So that's what we're going for here at West Concord. As we move ahead, as we move forward, we want the body here at West Concord, or maybe at your church too. I hope this is going on at your church if you're not part of ours. But at West Concord, we want the body of Christ to match the head that is Christ. Otherwise, we will be a silly, deformed, laughable, misfit type of thing that's only good for fun, good for derision, and not good for anything else. So that's what we're to be, church. That's what we're to be. We're to be disciples and disciple makers. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to come to Him by faith. Yes, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. He was buried and rose again from the dead. When he died for you, he took all of your sins off of you and upon himself, and he paid for all of your sins, past, present, and future. And if you'll just come to him by simple faith, not just believing in him, but believing on him, trusting him as your savior, casting your whole full hope of heaven upon him, his death, burial, and resurrection, God will save you. And then, then you can become a disciple. Then you need to start growing and start going. You are part of the body of Christ, and we need you to make sure the body functions. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll finish. Father, we thank you for the time we've had together this afternoon, this morning, tonight, whenever somebody's watching. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that your church, whether it's West Concord Baptist Church or whatever church represented by those who are watching, I pray that your church would represent and look like you. 
I pray that when people see the body of Christ, that they see Jesus, they see the head, that the head and body match up, that we might be the discipling body you want us to be, that we might begin to think of others within our congregation, and we might begin to get together and walk with one another, work with one another, celebrate with one another, yes, and Lord, cry with one another. But most importantly, you might take our spiritual gifts and help us to use them to be a grounded people so that, Lord, we might be growing closer to you and closer to one another. Bless us, Lord, as we finish. Bless our day. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me remind you that, yes, we're meeting at 1030 at West Concord. I hope to see you there. Otherwise, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.